Welcome to A Moment of Bach, where we take our favorite moments from the composer's vast musical output, just a minute's worth or even a few seconds, and show you why we think they are remarkable. We are your hosts, Alex and Christian Giebert. Today's moment is from the very beginning of the first movement, the overture, to the cantata Nun komm dir Heiden Heiland. BWV 61. So it seems like every year, the beginning of Christmas, when commercial advertisers try to get us in the spirit of Christmas, you know, so that we can spend money on whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. It's always earlier and earlier. Now, as we are in the United States, it seems to be like Thanksgiving near the end of November would be a good time to switch after that to the Christmas mindset. That's when we start hearing the music and all the advertisements and everything. But really, it's now starting before that. My point here is that there is a natural preparatory period to Christmas to get us ready. Even though this year, if you're listening to this podcast as it drops, the Christmas season is over, but we'll get to that in a second. There are certain things that you that will get you in the spirit of Christmas, whether you want it to be yet or not. And there are certain moments where you expect those things to happen. And maybe music, like Christmas pop music that you either love or hate that comes on the radio that you're expecting to hear multiple times over the course of a month or even two months. And whether you like that or not, uh, it is a ubiquitous part of our society now. But in Bach's time, it was more about the thematic music that you would hear in the time leading up to Christmas in church. So that time was separate from the celebration of Christmas, and that's what's a little bit different than today. So today, it all seems like Christmas to us. The early part of December seems like Christmas, and maybe even November, people are already putting decorations up. But for Bach, it was Advent. We spoke about this, I think, a little bit the first time we covered this episode. I revisited this cantata because I love it so much. It's one of my favorites of all of them. But it was the first piece of music I selected for a moment of Bach when we first started the podcast last year in January. I did it because I figured the first this is our first podcast. Let's pick something that corresponds with the first Sunday of the year for Bach. That's not January because we're not talking about the New Year calendar the calendar new year. We're talking about the church year. And the beginning of the church year is Advent. This cantata is for the first Sunday of Advent. So just like we are hearing Christmas music in December or even November popping up all over the place, you would hear, and actually you would expect to hear this song sung or heard around this time on this actual Sunday if you lived in one of these villages. Mm-hmm. 
And the words to this opening chorus are, Now come, Savior of the Gentiles, known as Child of the Virgin, of this all the world marvels, God ordained him such a birth. We're talking about the baby Jesus, but it's way more than that, right, Alex? There's so many, the, the thing about these cantatas is that there's so many different ways to approach the text that Bach used, and there are so many different parallels, not just the scriptural ones, but also the way he can set them to music. The first line uh, kind of could be translated, now come savior of the heathens. Yeah, We don't do that anymore. We don't say heathen <laughs> uh, to translate these words yet. In English, we translate this, savior of the nations come. So it's not Christmas yet. Christmas is when the baby Jesus was born, but the season of Advent is much more than that. It's more about preparation and it's also uh, about another time that Jesus arrived somewhere when he was on the donkey going into the city. A borrowed donkey that wasn't even his, not a very regal thing to do for like the king of kings. And so there's this, um, there's this weird paradox and dissonance between this figure, uh, this royal figure of Jesus Christ and then the very humble or even like filthy animal that he had to ride to get there, right? Or the fact that there's this savior of the world coming into the world as a baby, but he couldn't even be born in like in a proper room with a doctor or anything. He was born in an animal's feeding trough. So there's all these, there's all these strange paradoxes about Jesus that Bach has to grapple with when he sets something like this to music. But above all of that, he knows that he has to use this hymn tune that everyone's going to recognize. So you have to imagine, if you lived in this time period, you know this, you would know this tune. And that's the approach we need to take when we listen to it, so that we can understand um, how to find it, because it actually is hidden at the beginning, as you'll see. And this is my moment for today. The very first thing you'll hear is this like pompous, regal theme. And it has this stately figure to it. Dun, da-dun, da-dun. And actually, these figurations in the music are written as... Bah, is what we see in the score. We're looking yeah. at Alex. We're looking at the score, but that's not what they play it, right? Right. They sort of play it. They know to do this. Yeah, and I think they're double dotting the the dotted figures too, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, let's listen to that one more time and make sure I'm right about that. <laughs> Definitely at least adding something. Right. So that's like stretching out the fanfare figure a little bit and then making the shorter notes even shorter. Bum, ba-dum, ba-dum. And this gives it sort of a French royal court style, and that's why it's written overture, and this was very much on purpose. Overture is actually marked. Bach wrote it in the score. It says overture. And this means that there is a royal figure approaching. That's the symbolism going on here. Yeah, it's easy to look past that because nowadays we might 
um, we might associate that term with like musical theater or something, you know, like uh, overture. It's what you hear at the beginning and it has all the themes of the, of the musical or whatever. But this, like you say, Christian, this meant royalty. Yeah. Instead of like, now we think of it as like, it's the introduction to a something else like an opera or something, sure, yeah. but, but no, it, it used to mean, it used to mean introduction to the king coming like arriving and it's a big deal and similarly these fanfare figures that you're hearing those rhythms and that just the whole sound of this signifies a royal entrance but there's also a very sincere simplicity about this melody by itself unadorned if it was just being sung as as an isolated chant You can go all the way back to episode two to listen to us briefly cover this uh, this tune and the way it gets ornamented by Bach. But on that episode, we spent most of our time on the absolutely stunningly unique recitative with plucked strings that comes later in this cantata. What's going to be my moment of the day here is this very beginning. It takes a second to discover what's going on here, but we have a three-measure opening. Then the sopranos enter on this first phrase. Then the altos sing that first phrase a bit lower. Then the tenors do it lower. And then finally the basses do it lowest. Also, Alex, you pointed out to me that the continuo, the bass instruments, are playing a little bit higher in the range, and you don't right away hear any real big boomy bass low notes. Not for a few seconds at least. And when you do have the sopranos enter, the bass takes a step, stepping path down. I wonder if this was on purpose, all of this stuff. I'm going to say yes, it was on purpose. Mm-hmm. It was on purpose. This is about Christ coming to earth, and you could even stretch this to the analogy of coming from heaven to earth, coming down. This is an Advent theme. The idea that Jesus Christ came down to earth and humbled himself. That's the whole paradoxical thing being portrayed here musically. That you have divinity and humanity. And with Jesus, those things are coexisting. And he has to make himself, he has to humble himself as a baby. Or 
as a guy riding a very not flashy animal into town. So Christian, you mentioned that the soprano comes in first with the melody. Then the alto comes in, right? We, we heard that. And we heard the alto come in a little lower, like you'd expect in the alto range. Then tenor, right? Then bass. And what I find kind of charming and interesting, well, maybe charming is not the right word, but um, I noticed that on the, on the last word, highland, on high you have a little trill, and this is in the score, and it's also performed in the version that we hear. On highland, highland, damn, instead of highland. That trill is marked by Bach on each of these four entrances, except for the last one. He didn't put it in the bass one. Did he do that on purpose? Hmm. Unknown. Yeah, but actually, this, I don't, this we don't know because it seems like maybe he forgot to put that in in the, his manuscript, but uh, they do they do pr- perform it that way with the trill in the Netherlands Box Society recording. Right. But it's not in the, it's not in the original. That's like an edu- that's a good educated guess, you know, to that it was just a a mistake and it, he just forgot to r- write that in the manuscript. But again, we've talked about this before, but again, you can always find the manuscripts or for almost everything, I think. You could find the manuscripts of Bach's own handwriting and he happens to have really beautiful handwriting when it comes to the the notes on the page and the way they look. It's just it's really nice. It's fun to follow along on that. Yeah. And that, that beautiful ornamentation occurs on the word savior. Mm, yeah. Whereas the strange leap, strange melodic dissonant leap occurs up to the word heathen. Right. And that, even though we give Bach a lot of credit for word painting, that is not his choice. That's how the melody goes to this tune with those words already when before he said it. Yeah. And, and that again comes back to the the whole thing where let's imagine as we listen to this that we know this tune already. That will give us a more holistic understanding of Bach's uh, composition here, which leads me to the main moment, which is something that I didn't catch the very first time. And I'm sure that it takes a little bit of work to catch unless, like we keep saying, you know this tune already and then you will eventually get get it. And it is right at the beginning. All right, listener. I didn't give you any hint except for that it was right at the beginning, but did you catch it? Okay, Alex, where is it? Where is it? The melody. The melody is at the beginning. Where is it? Well, it happens when the soprano starts singing, right? About four measures in. Uh, not, not, no. not the first time. <laughs> not the first time. Yeah, and I missed this the first time too. It happens right at the very, very beginning, measure one, and it's in the bass instruments. Yeah. So the continuo instruments, we're hearing it in the cello, bass, bassoon, and low organ pedals, mm-hmm. harpsichord. And it's ornamented a little bit, which is nice. Because um, it gives it gives the piece a little bit of momentum right off the bat, instead of the bass instruments being relegated to just playing a typical bass line that's not as interesting, they get this me- they get this melody right at the beginning, which gives it I don't know some sort of 
I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a little leap here and say that it makes the whole thing sound really archaic and almost kind of medieval or renaissance sounding. And I'm saying this because the bass does not have its um, function yet of being like the root of everything. At the beginning of this overture, the bass is just sort of another one of the instruments playing the melody, which gives it sort of an older flavor because as we have said in a couple of other episodes, the bass line as a thing has not always been around and it's kind of newer. Yeah. So, or at least the way the, ba- the bass functions these days is newer and was only active shortly before Bach, relatively speaking. So there it is. And it happens again between entries of these voices. This is a work by a very young J.S. Bach. I think later if he had written this, he would have busied up the counterpoint some more at the beginning, but it's pretty nice and stark that you just have Soprano sing the melody, the phrase. Alto sing the phrase, soprano stop. And then just tenors, and then just basses. It's kind of remarkable that those voice parts are just so clearly divided. Yeah. A lot of times you would expect from Bach an overture like this to have very complicated counterpoint between all four voices right off the bat. But it's not like that here. It's pretty cut and dry, the sections. Then you've got a second phrase of music, which is... Uh, all just set very vertically with the choir, just everyone singing all at the same time. Then, if you know, again, if you know the hymn tune, you would know this, that the third phrase, which goes like this, is given a sort of free and fantasia treatment in this uh, this section in the middle that suddenly, which is marked cheerfully, suddenly goes faster and changes into a different time here. It's a great moment when it goes back into the into the original sound like it goes in, back into 4-4 four, four time and it just feels the, like the, when the feel just suddenly changes there then we get that last phrase right that fourth phrase and then it wraps up real quickly with a fourth phrase wonderful last little descent by the bass instruments going down 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 to the end definitely not on accident again with the whole stepping down thing that is the advent theme yep and that final descent of the divine coming to unite with the human at the end yeah, and that final continual line as it as it floats up high and then just and then slowly makes its way down to the low note. 
So you can, listener, you can listen to this overture in so many different facets. You can listen to it and just listen to the vocal parts and how they are split at the beginning with just soprano, just alto, tenor, bass, and then they're all together. And then they have counterpoint on the third line and then the fourth line together. You could listen to just the bass and you can hear how it kind of starts up high and then slowly as as the as the vocal parts go lower, right? Soprano, alto, tenor, then bass comes in. That continual line that's happening in the bass instruments is slowly making its way down as it moves. And then by the time you hit the third line, it goes all the way down. You could listen for that. Or you could listen for the rhythms, the fanfare rhythms and how they are interplayed within the string parts. There's a lot going on in the strings here. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times there's two separate violin parts and a viola part plus the continuo. And in this particular movement, we have that plus an extra independent viola part. Bach just had an extra an extra part going there, just adding more complexity. So you could listen to the inner lines, especially the viola lines, if that's what you're going for. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You could listen for the trills in the in the vocal parts that we talked about. There's also trills in the violin parts that happen frequently. There's a lot of things, just as always, there's a lot of things to be listening for. And it's what gives this music its richness and its replayability. And if you know German, or if you have a translation in front of you, you can listen for the word painting that happens in here too. Um, It's always the case with Bach that he's paying attention to the words, and he's setting it in a certain way for a reason. What does that last phrase mean? Gott solch Geburt im Bestellt. God ordained him such a, a birth, that God yeah. ordained him. Also, it's kind of nice that that last phrase has the word Geburt in it, which sounds like our last name. <laughs> did you did you know that we talked about that in episode two? We did? Yep. Oh, man, it's been <laughs> a long time. It's yeah, been we a year. did. Exactly a year, because this is the second episode of the second season of this show. Yeah. Well, here's to many more A Moment of Bach. <laughs> yeah. So if this whole thing is about Advent coming and Christmas approaching, I think one thing we can do, uh, if we're going to do something, like maybe let's say next November or December, I say we give this a listen, you know, every time December starts. Because, I like that. You know, we're hearing so much Christmas music already, and technically Christmas, you know, isn't there yet. This is Advent. So give you a challenge, listeners, to listen to Bach Advent music next time it's december and it's not christmas yet and start with this one because this is the very first sunday of advent so this should be the first thing you listen to in fact don't listen to any christmas music until you've listened to this cantata in its entirety oh i thought you were gonna say don't listen to any christmas music until december 25th okay that's not that's not a reasonable challenge i guess that everything you listen to before december 25th is technically by definition Advent. There you go. 24th, not 25th. And now, here is the opening part of the overture, the first movement from the cantata Nun komm der Heiden Heiland.
this introduction to a musical moment has inspired you to hear the rest of this cantata, please see the link in the episode description to see the performance of Nun kommt der Heidenheiland by the Netherlands Bach Society. Do you want to hear our new episodes as we release them? Find us on your podcast app and hit subscribe. I'd also love to see more reviews on iTunes. So if you like the podcast, tell a friend and leave a nice review on iTunes. I bet that some of our listeners have been waiting for this particular moment. But Alex, what famous work will we be talking about next time? Next week, we're looking at Toccata and Fugue in D minor for organ, BWV 565. It's the one you're thinking of. Yeah. (laughs) Until next time, enjoy those moments.